On October 4th, 1996, Officer Greg Martin had his whole life in front of him. He was just 30, married with a six-year-old daughter whom he adored, and just had a new son. He was a small-town officer, worked in the kind of community where everyone knew each other's names, and the biggest problems most nights was a few kids driving too fast and maybe smoking pot. But trouble had a way of coming south out of Virginia, and early on the morning of October 5th, trouble found Greg Martin. The way he was laying, you could see that the whole side of his head had been blown open. And that I knew, there was no movement. I would, you know, I would call out to him, and there was just, there was nothing. Even veteran officers hadn't seen something like this before. Pretty cold-blooded. I've used the word executed. While you're doing your job is basically what it was. And eventually, the news hit the home where his daughter was sleeping. Mama goes to answer the phone. And the next thing I hear is my mom say, oh, no. And that's when she just looked at me. She said, your daddy's gone. He's not coming back. I'm Fox 8's Bob Buckley, and this is Who Killed Officer Martin? There's a certain romanticism in the rolling hills people in North Carolina call the Piedmont. It's where you find Mayberry, Mount Airy by its real name, the hometown of Andy Griffith. And Mount Airy itself has held on to much of the charm Andy adapted to television. It's still a small town of about 10,000 and the place Greg Martin began his policing career. There isn't a lot of crime in Mount Airy, not when you compare it to major cities in America. It's retained much of its innocence as it lives largely off the tourism of the Andy Griffith Show. Jonesville is about 25 miles southwest, just across Interstate 77. And if you live there, you know the interstate has been part of the landscape since the early 1970s when this particular portion of I-77 was completed. But it isn't like the rest of the area. I-77 is a constant vein of activity, bringing things not from this quiet area to the area, and often not for good. That was the case that night in early October of 1996. It was a time the writer George Will would later call America's holiday from history. The Vietnam War was in the rearview mirror, and 9-11 wasn't on anyone's radar yet. Sure, there were major drug cases investigators were working, but those are crimes of a nation of wealth and relative leisure. But that's not why we're in town on this day. Uh, my name is Van Tate. I am a retired uh, sergeant with the North Carolina Highway Patrol, and I'm here today to speak with you about the uh, Greg Martin incident. Incident is an interesting way to describe it. But then Van Tate spent his entire working life in law enforcement, and you sometimes have to learn to speak of things in ways that help you deal with them. Hey, my name is Lloyd Terry. I'm a, I was a special agent with the State Bureau of Investigation, the SBI. Uh, the, the initial agent that began the case retired a couple years after Greg was murdered, and uh, it was passed on to another agent, and then I was about the third agent received it as a lead investigator. The lead investigator on the case of the local officer who had just been gunned down in cold blood. Greg was killed October the 5th of 1996. So go through what happened that night. Uh, that night, uh, Greg Martin was working for the Jonesville Police Department. Uh, 
he was working alone. He uh, radioed into the sheriff's office that he was going to be out with a suspicious person near the Huddle House restaurants. And then like a minute and a half later, he radios back in the communication center in Yadkin County that he'd be stopping a, a West Virginia tag uh, and a red pickup truck. That's what the officers who work in this area deal with all the time. People coming down from Ohio, West Virginia, or up from Florida or South Carolina on I-77. And too often, it's up to no good. That seemed to be what the two young men in the red pickup were up to. The question was, who were they? As good of an officer as Greg Martin was, and by all accounts, he was excellent, it appears he may have made one big mistake that night. He never called in a driver's license, per se, like a normal vehicle stop. Uh, I, I can't say whether he had ID or not that night. I'm not exactly sure. But he never called in a, he never called in a driver's license or a name. He did make this radio call back to the dispatchers. But that was it. No way to know who was in that pickup. You were Greg's friend. I was. That's Van Tate again, the former trooper. He looks just about like you'd expect. He has closely cropped blonde hair and light blue eyes. He speaks with deliberation, especially when he talks about what happened on that October night in 1996. Uh, I was about 10 miles south on 421. And 421 is a much-used U.S. highway that runs from Wilmington on the coast up into the mountains, crossing I-77 5 or 10 miles south of Jonesville. We were working a fatality down there. Uh, I heard them calling uh, Greg's number, 303, and I was very familiar with that because, you know, uh, when I worked the late shift, you know, I'd always meet with Greg from time to time. We'd get a cup of coffee just to, you know, get through the, the graveyard shift, as they called it. And uh, I, can't, I, I heard them several times. And I heard it because, like I said, I was only 10 miles away. And, uh, you know, I said, uh, 303, this is uh, E549, which is my call number when I was stationed in Yankin County. And I said, what you got? Uh, he said, I'm out with a vehicle on I-77. Uh, he said, I'm 10-4, but I'm going to need your assistance. And that didn't sound like Greg, because Greg was a good officer. I mean, you know, as a law enforcement officer, you kind of, you get a feeling about it. And it, something just didn't sound right. It shouldn't have. Greg Martin was in trouble, and his friend Van Tate sensed it. So I got on, had to do a U-turn, got on uh, 77 northbound, and... Uh, I'll be honest with you, I let no grass grow underneath my car. Uh, there was nothing on the road, so I proceeded on up. And I'm, if I remember right, four and a half minutes, I think I made it to his location. So uh, when I topped the hill on 77, uh, near the mile marker that he had stopped the vehicle at, all I saw was uh, Greg's vehicle. And there was no... Uh, no other vehicle there. This section of Interstate 77 is very much a pass-through. You can go miles without seeing an exit, and at the exits that are there, you don't find much development. It's just empty. Not a lot of people to see what's going on. I asked Van Tate what he saw when he came up on the scene where Officer Martin had stopped the red pickup. 
Greg's patrol vehicle, his lights were on, still flashing. And so, uh, you know, I started yelling for him. You know, I come, Greg? Greg, where you at? And never got anything. And as I walked past uh, his car and got just past the A-post uh, at the uh, left front fender, that's when I saw Greg's body uh, lying uh, on the emergency strip near the guardrail. Tate immediately radioed in about the trouble. It's hard to make out, but he's telling dispatch they had an officer down. You could tell when uh, the way he was laying, you could see that the whole side of his head had been blown open. And that I knew, there was no movement. I would, you know, I would call out to him and there was just, there was nothing. And couldn't have looked good. Uh, no, it, it, it wasn't, Bob, not at all. You knew right away he was gone? I did. What goes through a guy's mind when he sees that? I got down into a crouched position. Thing that ran through my mind was, well, is the shooter still here? Is the vehicle, you know, as it ducked out of sight, did they hear that I was coming? You know, that I that a backup officer was on their way, and maybe they were waiting to, you know, in lack of a better term, take me out. You look at that and you must think that could be me. Oh, absolutely. The man in charge of investigating Martin's murder had his own way of describing it. Pretty cold-blooded. I've used the word executed while you're doing your job. It's basically what it was. The next morning, Lieutenant Roger Reese told the community what happened. At approximately 2.42 a.m. while conducting a traffic stop on Interstate 77 South, Sergeant Greg Martin was shot and killed. Just hours before, they had to tell the people who Martin loved the most. His then six-year-old daughter, Brittany, was at home in bed with her mother that night. And I can remember the phone starts ringing while she's in there trying to read me a story. Mama goes to answer the phone. And the next thing I hear is my mom say, oh no. And she's screaming and it's just, it's bloody murder. And she, all she is say is, oh no. And I go and I, I go in the living room and I ask her, I say, mom, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? And that's when she just looked at me and she said, your daddy's gone. He's not coming back. Imagine that. You're just six years old, still figuring out how the world works, and someone calls your home and tells you your daddy is never coming back. Brittany Martin's father died in a way too gruesome to describe to a six-year-old little girl. We talk about that when I sit down with her. Um, well, how much detail do you know? The same things that everybody else knows. Because over the years, the information has ways of slipping out. People talk. But for the longest time, it was all surreal for Brittany. Whenever I seen him in the casket, that right there was, I swore up and down that it wasn't my dad. It was somebody different, because I didn't want to see it as him. You can understand why at her age, and for years, 16 years, it was just that, a story. There were no answers, no whys, no here's the guy who did it. They had no idea who killed Officer Martin because, remember, Greg didn't radio in anything to identify the people in that red pickup. And by the time Van Tate arrived at the scene, a few minutes later, they were long gone. But there are lessons in this story, and not all of them are tragic. 
SBI agent Lloyd Terry knows that as well as anyone. I guess what I take away from it myself is, and I try to pass along to others, is never give up. Never give up. Hear why in the next episode of Who Killed Officer Martin? Who Killed Officer Martin is written and reported by me, your host, Fox 8's Bob Buckley. Sam Walter and Keith Hale are our producers and editors. Kevin Daniels is our executive producer. If you like the podcast, make sure to rate it and share it with a friend and help get the word out.